report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Countdown to Christmas. Good afternoon. Welcome to the broadcast home for the holidays. You are not alone. The crush of Christmas traffic is upon us. The roads, airports jam-packed this afternoon. Tom Costello starts us off at Reagan International in Washington. They brought out the dogs here at Reagan Airport to move these lines along even faster. The dogs sniff for explosives. That moves things along. People can keep their uh, shoes on. A record 115 million of us will take to the skyways, highways, and byways between now and New Year's Day. Reporter Shaquille Brewster. Today, we'll see some of the heaviest traffic conditions of what's left of this calendar year. Fortunately, there are looking at some fairly good weather conditions in much of the country. The busiest time to be on the roads will be tomorrow between 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. From the Midwest to the Northeast, you can only dream of a white Christmas this year. Meteorologist Angie Lassman. Warm conditions. Where is winter? I mean, we've got temperatures ranging into the 60s, 50s across the Midwest. Those not feeling much like Christmas, but looking ahead to Christmas Eve, some mild conditions will be draped across the eastern half of the country. Those unusually mild conditions will continue on into Christmas Day for us. There are heightened security concerns ahead of the holidays. A new FBI bulletin warns the war in the Middle East is triggering terror threats against the homeland. The bulletin warns lone actors may seek to launch opportunistic attacks on public gatherings using simple weapons, including firearms, knives, or vehicles. Correspondent Catherine Harridge, House Speaker Mike Johnson is calling on President Biden to take executive action on the border crisis. There have been 200,000 illegal crossings during the month of December alone. Here's reporter Alexandria Hoff. In an appeal to the president yesterday, Speaker Johnson wrote this. The southern border of our nation is being overrun and U.S. Customs and Border Protection is at a breaking point. I urge you to immediately take executive actions available to you under existing immigration laws to stem the record tide of illegal immigration. The nation's Homeland Security Chief and Secretary of State will both be meeting with Mexican authorities at the border in the coming days. White House spokeswoman Corrine Jean-Pierre. We're at a time of the year where we're seeing more uh, at the border and it's not unusual. This is an immigration system that has been broken for decades and the president has taken this very seriously to try to do more. Critics contend the president has an open borders policy that not only allows illegal immigration, but actually encourages it. According to the UN, the entire population of Gaza is at imminent risk of famine as the war between Israel and Hamas rages on. Reporter Bree Jackson. The United Nations reports more than one in four people in Gaza are starving. Every single person I speak to, everywhere I go in Gaza, is hungry. Sean Casey with the World Health Organization. The UN Security Council is voting today on a resolution that would allow more aid to get into Gaza. Israel's opened up multiple humanitarian corridors to help facilitate that aid. A government spokesperson in Tel Aviv says as part of any deal, though, there must be a concerted effort to free the hostages being held by Hamas. And we will not waste any real opportunity that exists 
to get our people out. The Jewish state stresses its war is against the terror group Hamas, not the Palestinian people. Bidenomics is a bust, according to a new poll. The Fox News survey shows just 22% of Americans think the economy will improve in 2024. Twice that amount think it'll get worse. Here's economist Dan Ricotta. It's what I call the kitchen table recession. Yes, there's plenty of jobs out there, but the reality is that as we sit around our kitchen table and we try to buy groceries and pay our car insurance bills and things like that, some of these costs have gone extraordinarily high over the last couple years. We've now had 33 months 33 months of inflation greater than 2%, which is the Fed's target. Ricotta says it's imperative now more than ever that Americans live on a budget and set aside money in a so-called rainy day fund. We're learning more today about that 24-year-old student gunman responsible for the worst mass shooting ever in the Czech Republic. Police say the killer shot his father to death and two other victims as well before opening fire on a college campus in the center of Prague. Reporter Ali Arozi. People here in Prague uh, are rattled by this uh, senseless crime in a country that's generally peaceful and mass shootings are very rare. President Biden said that his heart goes out to the victims and that U.S. authorities are in touch with Czech officials and are ready to help. The shooting left 15 dead, including the gunman. Another 25 were wounded. This American student in Prague explains what it was like for him. Middle of the exam, we started hearing gunshots and screams while we were walking. Walking out, all I could see, like, you know, on the floor, it was just covered in blood. Eventually, we were able to lock the door and make a barricade. The video shows panic-stricken people jumping to safety from window ledges several stories above the ground. A shocking new study today reveals the homicide rate for teenagers in this country has tripled since 1960. Jack Brewer with the Brewer Group blames broken homes. We are a fatherless nation right now with 18.4 million fatherless kids, and these kids that are shooting at each other. Most of them don't have dads at home. He says today's young people also lack a moral and spiritual compass. We remove God from schools. Uh, if you look at church participation, uh, particularly in, in Gen Z uh, and in the, these millennials, I mean, it's down 30, 40 percent in some demographics. Brewer says kids are 20 times more likely to have a negative encounter with a police officer if they come from fatherless homes. Christmas, according to tradition, is all about family. But increasingly, today's Gen Zers are putting less of a priority on family. And that's a problem, says Dr. Nicole Sapphire. People are saying we're going to have kids later. Maybe we're not going to have kids at all. We're only going to have one kid because they're, it's bad for the environment. I mean, come on. And not necessarily everyone needs to have children, but to preserve that family and that family unit is so crucial for us as a society moving forward. I mean, we've really lost sight of what our values are and what they should be. Sapphire says young people should never feel pressured to get married or start a family. But as a culture, she says, Gen Zers and millennials are suffering because our culture does not emphasize enough the benefits of family. If your idea of eating vegetables is a giant plate of french fries well you won't be too happy to hear this potatoes may no longer be considered a vegetable if the usda gets its way the agency's looking to move them from starchy vegetables into the same category as grains rice and other carbs the national potato council is not on board saying while they believe americans should consume more non-starchy veggies 
They don't think that recategorizing potatoes is the correct answer. All right, Stacey Lynn with that report and still to come on the Noon Report. Trump versus Biden, the rematch. Will it happen? And the Capital Connection crew counts down their top five stories of the year from New York and Pennsylvania. But first, let's stop by the Weather Center, see what Kevin Williams has for us. Kevin? Hello, Bob. Merry Christmas. And uh, we were tracking a very quiet weather pattern for this getaway Friday no uh, weather-related issues are foreseen. We'll have the complete forecast. That's coming up in 10 minutes. Okay, Kevin, looking forward to that. Thank you very much. As we roll into another Christmas season, the Buffalo region is remembering a huge winter storm that paralyzed that part of the country one year ago this weekend. Family Life's Greg Gillespie takes a look back at the blizzard of 2022. Christmas week 2022 brought an official total of 52 inches of snow to northwest New York. You add hurricane-force winds coming off of Lake Erie, and the drifting was intolerable. Local government counts say nearly four dozen people lost their lives. People dying in the street, people passing away in cars that have been stuck, and some that have passed away in homes without heat. City and state crews and National Guard troops spent weeks clearing things out. There's cars everywhere, pointing the wrong direction on roads. There's abandoned buses on roads. During the five days of the Christmas week storm, there were 37 hours of straight blizzard conditions. Greg Gillespie, Family Life News. Thank you, Greg. Next at noon, Biden versus Trump, the rematch. Will it happen next year? For some political perspective, we turn to Dr. Steve Coleman from Elmira, New York. Polls show most voters do not want a Biden-Trump rematch, but it may happen. Here is a synopsis of what some voters in Iowa are saying today, Steve. I want to get your reaction to this on the other side. Take a listen. If the rematch happens between Trump and Biden, I think that that's a total loss for the country. Nothing will galvanize the Democrat electorate more than Trump being the candidate. Even against Joe Biden, who probably couldn't win against anybody but Trump. These are probably the two most unpopular figures at this point in time to be the potential nominees for president ever. I'm a Republican. I think anyone not named Trump beats Biden in a landslide. Trump brings way too much baggage and makes it too much about himself. Biden's health and cognition looks to be in question. Example of what voters are saying, Steve, with just a couple weeks to go before the Iowa caucuses. So the question is to you, if polls show voters don't want a Biden-Trump rematch, why does it seem like that cake is baked already? Well, it looks as if, uh, Bob, Donald Trump is way ahead of his competitors on the Republican side, and uh, Joe Biden has real no opposition on the uh, the Democratic side. So it looks like it's going to be Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. That's going to be the situation here in 2000. 2024. All right. We've seen this movie before. We'll see it again, according to Steve. Uh, now, what's unique to this presidential cycle is the many trials of Donald Trump. We're expecting a verdict soon in his civil fraud case in New York. There's a trial on election interference. It's about to get underway in March in Washington, D.C. You've got the trial in Georgia. How will these many trials of Donald Trump impact this election cycle? I don't think it's going to impact very much. Donald Trump has 91 felonies, 91 
one felonies he's charged with. But at the end of the day, I think uh, all of this is going to help Donald Trump because uh, Republicans feel that the legal system has been weaponized against Donald Trump, and it's an outrage to America, and they're going to give their verdict at the ballot box uh, this November. And then, you know, my big question is this, all of the baggage surrounding President Trump, regardless of how you feel about him as a leader, so much baggage around him. Why haven't any of the other contenders, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, or Chris Christie, why haven't they been able to gain any ground on the Donald? I think many Republicans think that Donald Trump's competitors, well, they're the junior varsity squad. Donald Trump is to many Republicans, as Mick Jagger is to folks that like rock and roll. They think he's wonderful. They think he's great. And all these other folks running against Donald Trump are second rate, have no chance, and frankly should get out of the race. Well, hey, the first votes of 2024 are about to be cast. Final analysis. The cake is baked. Take it to the bank. It's the rematch. Trump versus Biden in 2024. You're going with that, Steve. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think it's going to happen. It's We're on the way. And by the end of March, we'll see it very clear what's going on, Bob. But mm-hmm. uh, that's my prediction. Our Ph.D. of politics, Dr. Steve Coleman from Elmira, New York. Well, heroes come pretty cheap these days. But in Rochester, New York, there are a couple of real-life heroes we need to brag about. School resource officer Jashawn Rucker and athletic trainer Dave DePasquale jumped into action this week to save the life of a 15-year-old JV basketball player who suffered a cardiac arrest during the middle of a game. It was like a miracle. I I was elated. I mean, everybody was emotional. I was emotional. He was emotional. You know, the team, you know, they were coming up, giving us hugs. We were blessed to be there. And we are so happy that uh, this young man is able to spend Christmas with his family. I come to work every day and my job is to keep these kids safe and uh, I treat everyone like they're my own. Way to go guys. Those men connected an AED, automated external defibrillator, to the teenager's chest after he collapsed on the court. Rochester Superintendent Dr. Carmine Peluso. Right place, right time works when you have the right people ready to act. They're heroes. Definitely heroes there in Rochester, New York. That 15-year-old in stable condition in the hospital. Well, coming up after the break, Kev will break down that Christmas weekend forecast. The Capital Connection crew will weigh in on their top five stories of the year from New York and Pennsylvania. So what were the issues and events that mattered the most from Albany and Harrisburg in 2023? We're about to find out right after this. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. You know, one overlooked grace from God is that he, in his infinite wisdom, gave us four Gospels instead of just one or two. For example, if it were up to only Matthew and Mark, we'd have the impression that John the Baptist appeared out of nowhere and was more than a little weird. After all, it is from their accounts that we learn of his odd wardrobe and odder diet. One point that every one of the Gospels emphasized is that he was a fulfillment of a promise from God given by the prophet Isaiah. Quote, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Luke's gospel contains the most details about John's beginning, specifically that, like Jesus, his birth was also miraculous. 
and also involved a visitation from the angel Gabriel. But it's one particular detail, one that's often overlooked, that I find especially remarkable and instructive for this cultural moment. Luke reveals that John the Baptist was the first person, other than Mary, who was told by the angel, to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. While Mary was still pregnant with Jesus, she went to visit John's mother, Elizabeth, who was also still pregnant. Luke described what happened, likely telling the story as he had heard it himself from Mary. Quote, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. End quote. So, as we read, Elizabeth, then, becomes the third person to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. And she seems to imply that it was her own preborn child that had informed her about the identity of Mary's preborn child. This account, described in only six verses, speaks volumes about how God thinks of life in the womb, when life begins, when our unique identity as human beings begin, the value of preborn human life, and even when God's purposes for our lives first mean something. In fact, the angel Gabriel had already given Zechariah, John's father, a pretty good idea of all of this. Quote, Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He'll be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, get this, even before he's born. End quote. In this interaction between Mary, Elizabeth, and their preborn children, John's already fulfilling the purposes that God has laid out for him, only in utero. While still in her womb, John helped his own mother prepare for the coming of the Lord. She then encouraged Mary in her preparation for the coming of the Lord, the one that she was carrying at the time. And after Elizabeth's encouragement, Mary broke out into song, the Magnificat, uttering words that have not only instructed and encouraged millions of people throughout Christian history to prepare for the Lord, but which, for the record, also definitively answer the question, immortalized in another song, Mary, Did You Know? Apparently, she knew, and she wrote a whole song about it. Look, as we head to the end of 2023, would you keep Breakpoint and the Colson Center in mind as you plan your year-end giving? These daily commentaries reach and equip hundreds of thousands of people each and every week, carrying on the vision that God gave Chuck Colson 35 years ago. If Breakpoint has helped you in 2023 to think clearly about all that's going on in this cultural moment, please support the work. Go to colsoncenter.org give. That's colsoncenter.org slash give. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Thank you, John. Let's head outside. Kevin Williams. Good afternoon. Here is your family life regional weather forecast. It's a travel day ahead of Christmas and the weather regionally shaping up just fine. No travel issues are expected weather-wise. And even though a weak disturbance brings a couple of rain and snow showers to parts of the area tomorrow, nothing that should be particularly notable in terms of travel. Uh, we do anticipate actually some mild weather heading toward Christmas, but much colder air and maybe some snows by the time we get to New Year's weekend. We'll follow that as well. For the afternoon, some sunshine and some clouds, high temps in the 30s and low 40s, rather cloudy tonight, down to 30. Cloudy tomorrow, a couple of rain and snow showers around, the high in the upper 30s to mid 40s, rather cloudy on Sunday with high temperatures mostly in the 40s. All right, Kevin, thank you. It is Friday, folks, the 22nd of December, and this is the Noon Report on Family Life. <laughs>
Welcome to a special edition of Capital Connection. I'm Bob Price, and this is our year in review on family life. We're counting down the top stories from New York and Pennsylvania with the Capital Connection crew. Jason McGuire at New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms and Michael Gear at the Pennsylvania Family Institute. Well, gentlemen, welcome back to the program. Hard to believe it's a wrap on 2023 and uh, both of you like Santa Claus have prepared a list both naughty and nice what you consider to be the top five news stories from Albany and Harrisburg we're going to take a look back and at the end we're going to take a look forward to 2024 but Michael um, let's begin with you what in your opinion was the fifth biggest story in Pennsylvania this year well for this one Bob I'm going to toot our own horn a little bit uh, with the second win for us here at the U.S. Supreme Court in a case initiated by our Independence Law Center. It was a unanimous religious liberty victory for former postal worker Gerald Groff regarding his uh, Christian conviction to observe the Sabbath, and uh, the significance and impact of this case will be seen for years to come with greater protection and religious freedom in the workplace, not only for Gerald Groff, but for all Christians and those of other faiths as well. Yeah, that was a big win this year. Jason, what did you have on your list is number five. Well, I think I'm going to co-toot with my colleague from the Keystone State, and I'll just say that you may remember that there was the Concealed Carry Improvement Act that was passed by Governor Kathy Hochul here in Albany. Well, that would have actually hindered even houses of worship from having the ability to have their volunteer armed security teams. We ended up going to court over that, did not have to proceed very rapidly down that path, before the governor actually agreed to include language in the budget. And so churches once again had the right to protect themselves while in a worship services guaranteed again that became especially relevant later in the year when the rise of anti-semitism came to be and even in synagogues we saw that there were armed security details where shooting occurred in albany yeah i had rocky rollout of marijuana incorporated as my fifth biggest story in new york this year uh war on pro-life pennsylvanians uh in pennsylvania the mark hauck trial in philly shapiro's snitch line among others as my fifth biggest story of the year all right jason number four on your list in New York. Well, my number four was your last one. It was the marijuana rollout. Only in New York could it be that we see the state not only is messing up marijuana and hurting people across the state with a proliferation of it, but now even legal owners are being crushed by the fact that the state cannot get a handle on this. When it comes to gambling, we often talk about uh, the house always wins, but when it comes to the state being your drug dealer, even the state can't make money on marijuana. Yeah, I had New York's war on fossil fuels as my fourth biggest story, and in Pennsylvania, I had the University of Pennsylvania president resigning as my fourth biggest story. Michael Gear, what was your fourth biggest story? Well, I like what you just chose there, Bob, but for my number four, I'm going to go with the ongoing fight for truth and reality, which does play into what happened there at Penn. But specifically in terms of truth and reality, there is truly a distinction between male and female, and that is not just because a person declares themselves to identify as the opposite sex doesn't make it so. And there's no operation or drug that can change that 
fact, and that mm. fight has played out in so many ways. The transgender ideology promoted in schools and social media, girls' sports, for example. Pennsylvania has spent more than $20 million taxpayer dollars in so-called sex change surgeries on minor children since 2015. That's appalling, and it causes permanent, irreversible harm to those children. Yeah, and that, uh, the growing influence of the transgender movement, I call it a movement because it has become that. That, to me, was the third biggest story in both New York and Pennsylvania this year. But my opinion doesn't matter. Jason McGuire's opinion matters. What was your third biggest story of 2023, Jason? Well, I'm going to join you on that issue because we saw in New York again that the New York City Education Department put out guidance this year regarding transgender students. Really what it does is it eliminates the rights of parents in their children's lives. They are now co-parenting with the state of New York when it comes to children experiencing uh, so-called gender dysphoria and the issues that accompany that. That is an issue that is impacting every single student, every district across the state, and it will be a continuing fight in 2024. All right. If you're just joining us, this is our year in review edition of Capital Connection with Michael Gear at the Pennsylvania Family Institute and Jason McGuire of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. We're doing a walk down memory lane today, counting down the top five stories of the year. We have three down and two to go. And for number two in New York State, Jason, what did you have? Well, I had kind of an encompassing category of uh, the life issues. Not only were we successful in stopping uh, Governor Kathy Hochul's Out-of-State Abortions Act back during the budget process and throughout the legislative session, but we also saw that assisted suicide failed again in the state of New York. Knowing how blue this state is, knowing the makeup of our legislature is two-thirds Democratic supermajorities, that is something at the beginning of every session we hear will pass, assisted suicide legislation, and for eight years straight, we've been successful in blocking it. Pretty important to keep fighting that fight. I did also have life issues as number two on my list this year in New York. And Michael, I had as number two, the Dems take control of the state house. It was February 7th of this year when that house flipped and a lot of things changed as a result. So those were my second biggest stories from Albany and Harrisburg. But like I said before, my opinion doesn't count. Michael Gear, yours does. What was the second biggest story of 2023 in Pennsylvania? Well, I'm going to go with uh, Governor Shapiro's sinking profile nationally in his first year, and some of that has to do with the Democrats taking control of the House and doing a very poor job of that. But in many ways, uh, Governor Shapiro was seen as a quickly rising star right after his election in the Democratic Party nationally. But his big time and embarrassing about face on his school choice promise, uh, if you remember, he line item vetoed his own proposal and the inability to get a complete budget wrapped up in a timely way had deflated his prestige over this past year. We're not talking a Cuomo level tumble yet, but there's still time. All right, guys. Well, here we are. Drum roll, please. We have made it to the top story of the year. Michael, let's go back to Harrisburg for this one. What did you have on your list as the most influential news event of the year in Pennsylvania? Well, I'm going to go in this case with the life issue, uh, with Pennsylvania now surrounded with the exception of West Virginia by states that have now legalized virtually unrestricted taxpayer-funded abortion right up until birth. And there are efforts by Democrats here in the Pennsylvania House and Governor Shapiro to bring that abortion extremism to our state. And if Democrats were to take control of the Senate here in Pennsylvania in 2024, we sadly could see that happen here. All right. Well, hey, one more to go. Uh, Jason, I know it's been a crazy year in New York. We say that every year. But 2023, in many ways, was unlike any year we've witnessed. Uh, Your choice 
as the top news story in New York this year? Well, I think honorable mention needs to go to the fact that New York State became the highest paid legislature in the entire nation. That should not be forgotten. We're not paying legislators 142000 a year for a part-time job. But the real story of the year that will crush us, I think, for years to come from budgetary perspective is the migrant crisis that has hit New York. Uh, we are seeing the migrant situation is just costing the state billions, and we're already billions in the hole. There's a lot to sort out in the coming new year. Yeah, I had that one also as my top story of the year. Uh, guys, we've looked back, but let's look ahead. We've got an important presidential election, of course, coming up next year. But I just want to spend a couple of minutes with you guys talking about what you think will be the news items to watch from a faith and family perspective. Michael, what are you keeping an eye on next year that our listeners need to be paying attention to? Well, a big fight in Pennsylvania in this coming year is going to be on the issue of marijuana. You know, we've seen uh, the bad rollout in New York, in Pennsylvania. We do not have legalized uh, recreational marijuana, but that is going to be the upcoming fight, probably starting as soon as the legislature is back and at work. Gotcha. And then, uh, Jason, you'll get the last word on this one. As you look out across the landscape, what do you think will be the stories we're talking about in 2024? Well, with everything coming to the November ballot, most of the year will be spent on messaging around that on both sides of the aisle. We believe that on that ballot, there will be this equal rights amendment, the so-called equality amendment. And that, again, will really virtually eliminate many parental rights in New York State. So that will be the battle to come. It will be an abortion and parental rights discussion, really, for uh, the entire year of 2024. All right. And guys, we just want to wish both of you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This will be our last program of the year. Uh, But before we go, you know, folks, this time of year like to give. And uh, we just encourage you, if, if you would like to give to organizations that are making a huge difference, uh, consider uh, the Pennsylvania Family Institute and New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. I'm not just saying that because they're on with us each week, but they're doing tremendous work in Albany and Harrisburg. If folks have questions about how they can give, Jason, where can they find you? At NewYorkFamilies.org. And if you are considering making a year-end contribution, Michael, where can folks go and learn more? It would be pafamily.org. All right. Well, thank you both. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. the work those two do each and every week. Capital Connection comes your way Fridays during the Noon Report. You can check out our Year in Review special online. Go to familylife.org and click on the News tab on our podcast page. Good afternoon. Here's your Family Life regional weather forecast. It's a travel day ahead of Christmas and the weather regionally shaping up just fine. No travel issues are expected weather-wise and even though a week disturbance brings a couple of rain and snow showers to parts of the area tomorrow. Nothing that should be particularly notable in terms of travel. Uh, we do anticipate actually some mild weather heading toward Christmas, but much colder air and maybe some snows by the time we get to New Year's weekend. We'll follow that as well. For the afternoon, some sunshine and some clouds. High temps in the 30s and low 40s. Rather cloudy tonight, down to 30. Cloudy tomorrow, a couple of rain and snow showers around. The high in the upper 30s to mid 40s. Rather cloudy on Sunday with high temperatures mostly in the 40s. All right, Kevin, thank you. Finally at noon for a Friday, the reach of cat videos seems to know no bounds. Take, for instance, Taters the Cat, who's the star of a live stream video that is literally out of this world. What's new, pussycat? Who 
NASA featured the orange tabby cat in its first ever video streamed from deep space by way of a laser. The video beam from 19 million miles away on December 11th took more than 100 seconds to reach the Earth. The space agency said NASA's deep space optical communications experiment was designed to boost the capabilities of streaming data from long distances. Pussycat, pussycat, I love you. I'm Michael Kastner. Now that's a cat video, and that's our world, the world we live in, Friday, December 22nd. I'm Bob Price, and I'll be off the rest of the year as we close the curtain on 2023. Looking forward to seeing you all again in 2023. Have a wonderful holiday season. You've been listening to the Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.